Let's take our Bibles now and turn to Luke chapter 8. Luke in chapter 8. I want to look at some things here in, in this chapter and present something to you. Just reason with you a little that something that we are all prone to do at times and we want to do our best to prevent something from taking place on us. So let, let's look here in Luke chapter 8. And please stand together with me. We're going to read responsibly verses 4 through 9. Luke chapter 8 and verse 4, And when much people were gathered together and were come to him out of every city, he spake by a parable. A sower went out to sow seed, and as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and it was trodden down, and the fowls of the air devoured it. And some fell upon a rock, and as soon as it was sprung up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it. And other fell on good ground and sprang up and bare fruit an hundredfold. And when he had said these things, he cried, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. Now I want you to just notice in verse 4, it says, When much people were gathered together. And it says, They came to him out of every city. And now look down at chapter 8, verse 19. Chapter 8, verse 19. We're going to read verses 19 through 21 now. And let's read these also responsibly. Then came to him his mother and his brethren, and could not come at him for the press. And it was told him by certain which said, Thy mother and thy brethren stand without, desiring to see thee. And he answered and said unto them, My mother... And my brethren are these which hear the word of God and do it. Now let's pray. Father, I ask that thou is blessed this 30 minutes that we have here together. And I ask that you would speak through me. Help us to see some things. Help us to tune our lives into the truth. If uh, we'd maybe fallen away and drifted to one side or another, that we would tune it back up and be in Thy will and, uh, and pure of heart. And I ask that You'd help us now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> you may be seated. This most amazing of stories <clears throat> is going to teach us something about human nature and sadly, about Christian nature, uh, even, uh, that we need to look at. You know, it says people came from all over to learn from Christ. They struggled to get there. They suffered to get there. They came from afar. They did not have these nice vehicles that we have to drive to go to the meeting place. I mean, they, they came from afar. It says here they came from every city to see Him. But it was worth it. It was worth it. Alright? So, you know, think about it. They carried their young. They carried their old. They brought their baggage. Some of them, they had to. They had to carry their provisions because they didn't know when they were going to get home. Sometimes it got lengthy. That's why Jesus fed the 5,000 or fed the multitudes twice. 
They came in huge crowds to flock to hear Him. It says in, in uh, Luke 12 verse 1, multitudes flocked to Jesus Christ. It got to the point they were trodden one another down to get to Him. You know, when's the last time you saw that? Crowds pushing each other down to get to God. This is amazing time we're reading of here. You know, there was some urgency in their coming to Christ. There was some uh, anticipation. They were craving to see Him. They wanted to be there. They knew there's some possibility that I'm going to hear, see or hear some life-changing things. You know, they walked, they rode, they came, some ran, some struggled to get to Jesus Christ, but it, once again I say, it was worth it. You know, I wonder, how far would you go? How far would you go to hear, we can't compare ourselves to Christ, there's no possible way, but to hear good preaching. How far would you drive? You think about that. How far would you walk? Back then, you know, they, they didn't have, they had some uh, horse and mule, maybe a possible wagon here and there, but that's all they had. How far would you go? Did you know that the wise men that came to see baby Jesus, I studied it, they traveled right at a thousand miles. It was about a 968 mile journey to get from where they were in Persia over to the Christ child. They traveled a thousand miles on foot. They weren't kings. They were very wise men though. And you know what they said when they went away? It was worth it. It was worth it. You know, they said, I heard about a man from Galilee. He's saying things no man's ever said. He's doing things no man's ever done. The light of God is shining from His face. Wonderful things are heard. Wonderful things are done. This man is wonderful beyond measure. Let's all go see Him. You know, they forgot their food. Jesus had to feed them. They, they were so ready to see Christ and desirous to be in His presence and to hear from Him. You know, He's speaking of the parable of the sower there. And here they come. These huge numbers. You know, we sometimes fail to see this. Huge numbers coming to see Christ. And everybody wanted to be up front. Everybody wanted to be up close. Pushing their way through the crowd. You know, some people climbed trees so they'd get a better look. Some people tore the, the roof off so they could get into Christ because the crowd was too pushy and too strong to get in there. Uh, amazing things happening here. You know, there's one man, blind man. He heard what was going on. Now, I'm sure the blind can sense things that we can't sense. He sensed multitudes were going by. What's the commotion? It's Jesus of Nazareth is coming into town. He started crying out for His help. Right? Jesus, Son of David, have mercy on me. Everybody's telling Him, would you please be quiet? Would you please settle down? He's going to have... You know, and what did He do? He yelled louder. He yelled louder. He cried above the crowd, it says. Jesus, I need you. Have mercy. Jesus stopped the crowd right there and went and said, bring that man to me. We're dealing with him. He, he rose. He cried. He desired above the crowd. This is what we want. 
This is what Christ is looking for. You know, I want to ask you something today. You know, how, how aggressive are you in your approach to Christ? Is it an aggressive approach? Is it a very desirous approach to Him? How bad do you want what Jesus has? You know, and it's honestly, our actions don't lie. Here's the crowd. They're waiting. They're listening. They're desiring to see the next miracle. Jesus has given this wonderful parable of the sower to them and all the foundational truths that come with this parable and study it sometime. There's a lot of amazing things in there. Jesus is teaching them about the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven. And He is preparing them for the future and things to come. And then He talks about the sincerity of life and your candle. What do you do with that candle which is Christ? All eyes are fixed on Jesus Christ. Full attention locked on Him. And then we come to the text, which to me, you know, it makes sense, but it shouldn't. We come to the text, which is verse 19. Then came to him his mother and his brethren, and could not come to him for the press. You know, they showed up late for one reason. But they could not get in. And it says that it was told him by certain which said, Thy mother and thy brethren stand without desiring to see thee. They're staying without. They want you. Basically, they're saying, we want you to come to us. We need you to come out from the crowd to us. We're not pushing our way in to see. They stand without. And, the, and I could see it. You know, Mary saying, Tell my son I'm out here waiting on him. You know, I'm his mother. Tell him to get out here. We want to see him. And what, did, what was Jesus' answer? You know, I think about it. I want, I'm really glad he, he said this. He, his answer was, My mother and my brethren are these, which hear the Word of God and keep it. You know, that's us. If you, I mean, if you're obedient to the Gospel of Christ, that's you and I. He's talking about us. He, what's He saying? Spiritual relationship. Church relationship, much more important than even familial relationship. I'm very glad I'm a part of the family of God. Now this is interesting to me. What happened here? This is what I want to talk about this morning. What really happened here? I think something we could all succumb to if we don't watch it. It's called apathy. It's called complacency with his own family his own brethren, his own mother, there's complacency that set in. It's so sad. His own flesh and blood had become apathetic to his way and his work. They weren't following him great strides anymore. They weren't pushing their way through the crowd anymore. You know, one of the greatest enemies of the Christian life is just apathy. Just becoming unmoved anymore by the things that used to move you. Now they no longer move you. And therefore you become very complacent in your approach to Christ. Apathy is a deadening effect. It breeds carelessness and callousness. You want to make sure you keep that tender spirit towards God. And, and honestly, you know, I've been saved 41 years almost. I want to have just the same amount of anticipation and, and 
urgency in the matter than I had back then when I first got saved. That's what I want. I, we, just, we just sang the song, every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. That's what I want. I want it to become better as I get older and as I learn more. So when there's apathy, there's a loss of purpose that accompanies it. And complacency settles in. So as in the case of Jesus, very own family, uh, what happens here? It's very simple. Apathy arose from familiarity. They were so familiar with Him. You know, she raised Him. His sons, or her sons, they grew up under Jesus' tutelage. You know, I honestly believe Joseph probably died when Jesus was at a young age. And Jesus took over the family uh, structure. He became the father figure in the family because Joseph's no longer around and he's the carpenter. So Jesus is taking care of his family, doing all that we do, plus be the son of God and live the law and prepare for his wonderful work of the death on the cross. And the amazing burden that he had upon him and all that he did for them. It'd be hard to be living to grow up in the household with the Lord Jesus Christ, I'm sure. It should be very difficult. Uh, I can't even imagine what it'd be like every time he looked at you. But they honestly, they started, some of them started becoming apathetic about it. You know, people get so accustomed to something that they end up starting to take it for granted. It's what we do, you know. The, the, the brand new car you got, you're so excited about, about a year later, where you used to wash it twice a week, now it's twice a year, if it's mine. So here's the thing. So while many are pressing into Christ to get a better view, what are they doing? They're showing up late, and they're sitting outside, and they're not even coming in. They're saying, bring him out to us. Tell him, I want to speak with him. Thy family standeth without. Some people want more. They want to hear more. They've got to hear more. They will hear more. While others say, I don't need so much more of that. So while some are fighting through to see him, others are standing back. Some have a desire and an appetite. And you'd think the ones that knew him best would be first line. But no. They, they were standing without. You know, and waiting for him to come to them. Can you imagine his, his uh, family standing outside saying, Boy, the crowds are big. I've heard all that already. I've seen those miracles before. That's what we do as Christians. We lose our, the burning desire. You know, every time somebody gets saved, it's an amazing miracle. You know, it's the greatest, it's as big a miracle for a person to get saved from hell and made into a new creature in Christ as it is for God to create the heavens and the earth. A new created anew, the Bible says. It's a huge miracle. And we take it for granted. Oh, I've seen that. I've been in services where 10 got saved. I've been in there where 20 or 30 got saved. And we start drawing back because of we've become very complacent because we've seen it. We've heard it. I had a woman tell me, I've been in church so long, I've heard all of it. Oh my, I've heard enough. She even said that. I've heard enough. I'll just work the nursery 
for the rest of my life. I've heard all that they can tell, give me. You know, and I thought, but what about, maybe you think you have, but by the way, you haven't, none of us have. But, you're missing out. You're really missing out. You're missing out on life, you know. And so when you're apathetic towards Christ, you become very careless. And the magnitude of the moment can just go right by you and you don't even catch it. They felt entitled. Hey, I'm his brother. I grew up with him in Nazareth. I know him very, very well. I'm his mother. I deserve for him to leave all y'all and come to me. His own friends said, something's wrong here. There's too much going on. They said that his friends started thinking, he's beside himself. He's, we're going to go find, we're going to have to pull him in here to be with us because he is beside himself. Turn over to Luke chapter 8. If you still have your Bible open, we're still in Luke. But look at verse 42. It says, for we... This is amazing. Now, remember the story of the young girl, 12 years old, who lay dying. And her father Jairus comes to Jesus, running to him, urgent, I need you at my house right now. I need you. My, my daughter's about to die. And the crowds are pushing and thronging. And Jesus says, I'm coming. I will go. So on His way to go to help this woman, this young girl, 12 years old, we find this story right here. In verse 42 it says, He had only one daughter. She's about 12 years old. She lay a-dying. And as He went, the people thronged Him. See, people had desire. And a woman having an issue of, 12, of blood 12 years. She'd had 12 years of, of uh, physical problems. This little girl had only been alive 12 years. Both of them, there's the significance of 12 years there, but which had spent all of her living upon physicians. Neither could be healed of any. She came behind him and touched the border of his garment, and immediately the issue of her blood stanched. Jesus said, Who touched me? And when all denied... Peter and all that were with him said, Master, the multitude thronged thee and pressed thee, and sayest thou, Who touched me? Jesus said, Somebody had touched me, for I perceived that virtue has gone out of me. So it's very obvious she had a different type of touch than the rest of them did. She had a touch of deep need and faith. And he felt the virtue leave him. But she had to press through the crowd to get to him or she'd have never gotten there. You see that? She, this is an older woman. She fought her way through the crowd. She couldn't get to him all the way, but she touched the hem of his garment. Right there, the blue band. The old blue band that the Jews wore. She got a hold of that and God healed her. That's how bad she wanted it. She had a different attitude than his family did. And then... While he's helping this woman, that little girl dies. They say, don't trouble him anymore. She's gone. Jesus said, no. You came to me. You needed me. I'm going. And he went and raised that girl from the dead. So when you stop having a desperate moving need of God, what you find is, you know, we'll say, I'm coming down with something. I'm sniffling. My throat's... I'm starting to come down it's called apathy. You're, you're getting away from... You don't have the feeling that you once had when God really moved on you. And it's, it's, it can be very devastating. There's got to be a constant maintenance of newness. 
that you have to do. Spiritual vitality that you keep up and maintain by having a fresh new appetite for God every day of your life. Fighting through the crown, like it says there uh, in Proverbs. Some people love the Bible and truth of the wisdom so much that it's like they go to wisdom as a woman who lives in a house. They're outside beating her door down, waiting on her in the morning so she, they can learn some more wisdom. The wise ones are there. Front row, boy, they want to know all they can. And she delivers, by the way. Wisdom always does. You know what I mean. Let me say something. Christian children grow up in church, and they ought to. It's very, very important. They hear the teaching. They hear preaching. They think they know all the Bible stories. They do. They think they know them. I've heard all those. They've watched people get saved. They've watched crowds come and go. They've watched the workings of church. They've watched lives change. They might have been to some revival meetings and seen some amazing things. You know, revivals are a thing of the past almost, and it's, it's real sad. But they've, been, they've seen sinners get saved and their whole lives change. Fully repenting. They've watched it. You'll hear them say it. I heard this already. I've been here my whole life. I've watched this from a child. I know every nook and cranny and corner of the church building. I know things that are in here that the preacher doesn't even know. They're so familiar with their, with their life. Why? It's become their life. We become very familiar with those we take for granted, those we're around with the most. It's just human nature. And uh, sadly, it's Christian nature to do this. Christian kids, they grow up feeling entitled. They didn't have to come with urgency or under their parents or get saved later in life. They were raised in church. They, become, they feel privileged. If they don't watch it, they're unappreciative. They start taking for granted what other people long for and desperately got to have. And that's a very dangerous thing. Religion is just life, so it's no more special to them or fresh and new. The Bible says their hearts will get hardened, their ears will get dull, they won't fall under conviction anymore, they won't get drawn by God and their love becomes very cold. And they can't understand what the big deal is anymore. Well, it's a big deal. Remember when it was? You know, they can't understand anymore. Why are the people still thronging Him? Coming from very far. Spending their whole days on end to get to Him. Why? They can't get this anymore. That's how far they've become through apathy. They've been swallowed up by... <clears throat> you know, His brothers, they lived with Him. They saw His glory. They knew His glory. Apostle John knew it. The Apostle John wasn't family. He drew in and he said, I'm leaning on His breast. I, I know. I'm not getting away from Him. I'm not letting Him out of my sight. Even at the crucifixion, John was there and Jesus committed Him to His mother. John understood. I'm not allowing apathy to settle in on my life. But they lose touch. And it's real sad to me. I used to see this a lot. When a preacher's child or son or daughter is dead spiritually and you have newcomers coming in and boy, they're just live and vibrant and seeking and wanting. They've allowed themselves to become conditioned. 
And when you become conditioned, you'll become very careless. Now listen, any time you spend with Jesus Christ, it's new. And that's what's lovely about Christianity. Every time it's new. Same, same God, same book, same Holy Spirit. It's fresh and it's new every single time. It's not old hat. It's sweeter every day. What we need is just an old-fashioned revival of excitement for Jesus Christ. I know one of the, remember the old preacher boys up where I went to school, they used to say, I'm excited about the things of Christ. I mean, that's what drives me. I'm fired up about it. I get up early to do it. I'll stay up late to I'm excited about Christ. When's the last time you said that? I'm just excited about Him. I'm so excited. Not the doings. Not church. No, Him. All that other becomes much better when you're excited about Him. Okay. You know, look at verse 40. Where's your heart today? Where's the focus? Look at verse 40. It says, And it came to pass when Jesus was returned, the people gladly received Him, for they were all waiting. Where'd you go? <laughs> Where'd you go, Lord? We're waiting. And they received Him gladly. That's the opposite of complacency. They are waiting and eager and desperately needing God. Let me give you a few points here and we'll be finished up. Number one, apathy makes you very careless. Very careless. And, and it really comes in both ways. I was thinking about that. You know, some people say, you know, I couldn't care less. And then somebody else will say, I could care less. Now, what's the difference? What's the difference if I couldn't, which it's probably really, I couldn't care less. I'm, though, I'm so apathetic in this situation and in this, and concerning this subject, I, don't, I can't care anymore. I just, I just don't care any less, excuse me. Now, that's very apathetic towards something that probably drove you when you were younger. It's either going to make you do that, or number two, it's going to make you careless and sloppy. Careless and sloppy. You know, we don't really have time to look at this. There's a story in the Bible of a young man named Uzzah who grew up around the Ark of the Covenant. It was in his house. They had the Ark in his house. We know this story. He was in the house. They wanted to move the Ark of the Covenant to Jerusalem. David wanted it there where it belonged. And he had, been, he had, been, he had the very Ark of the Covenant live in his house while he grew up. And he watched and he, he uh, was very attentive to it. Well, he was drawn to that. It was his house. It was his life. He became very familiar with the Ark of the Covenant. One of the things you can't do is touch it. You can't touch the Ark of the Covenant. He knew this. Well, they put it on a new cart with some oxen driving it. And they hit a bumpy road. And so the Ark started shaking. And he was right there. He was doing the best he could. He reached out his hand to settle the ark and God immediately struck him dead. And everybody went, and they said, you put a breach on Uzzah and the name of the place was Perez Uzzah. The breach upon this poor young man. He wasn't rebellious. He wasn't doing it out of wickedness. He just got careless around the holy things. He said, I, did, I was just trying to stop it from falling off the cart. 
God can take care of His own, by the way. But, He killed him. Because he became careless. And something that he had been around his whole life, we quit revering these things. We quit revering. You know, it's not special anymore. A new truth is as good as it gets, by the way, y'all. In this life, learning something new out of the Bible is the best thing you can see or happen outside of maybe seeing someone get saved. So number one, apathy will make you careless. Number two, apathy will cause you to miss the moment. They weren't seeing all these miracles happen and really, I mean, they didn't get it. This is his own family. They did not understand the, the work of God and how, how special it is to watch it, get to see it, get to be a part of it. You know, miracles were happening. People were getting saved and some people can't, don't even, they'd say, what's the fuss? What's the, what's the fuss? I don't get it. These are the same people yelling at a football game, though. That's their fuss. Now, they got removed from the action. You know, they were standing without, so they weren't hearing the parable of the sower. They were standing without. They weren't seeing that man lowered into the, under the, through the roof and getting healed of his paralytic condition. And then some people see the action, but they're removed from it because they have a complacent attitude. So complacency is a killer. It really, really is. You know, it's sad. When God's doing things and we miss out on it, it just slides right by us. We became very apathetic. And then number three, apathy makes you forfeit His presence. Now I know God's everywhere. God is everywhere. He's omnipresent. We know that. But Jesus wasn't. Jesus was inside with the crowd. They were outside. They weren't with Him. They were missing out. They might have thought, hey, we'll get Him later. And what His mother's basically saying is, your mom's out here. I, told, I said, come home. <laughs> I said, come home. While you remain without, Jesus is with those who hear His Word and obey it. And He's with those who want it. Isn't that amazing? So what I'm basically saying here today is you have to, it's up to all of us. I know the Spirit moves at certain times on us in different ways. And we, sometimes you really feel things and sometimes you don't. But you have to maintain your own heart. And you have to maintain this zeal for the Lord. They didn't understand why his, the zeal of thine house hath eaten me up. They, they didn't get it. Why is he down there cleaning up the temple, making everybody mad, whooping people? Because that's my father's house. That's why. And they didn't understand. So it takes diligence. I'm done. But it takes diligence and determination to seek the truth like you used to. Okay? It, it, it takes discipline to go after it like you used to when you really, really enjoyed it. When you felt it. You've got to keep yourself in the love of God, the Bible says. You have to be excited about the things of Christ and lo not lose that zeal. Where's your heart today? Are you, like I said, excited about the things of Christ? 
I'm so excited. I'm ze it's eating me up inside. I'm so zealous over it. I'm ready. You know, we used to always say, I'm going to attack hell with a squirt gun. I don't know where you're going to get very far, but at least they're trying something and going forth. Amen. Let's bow our heads.